close your eyes. Imagine your favorite bar. Envision a perfect drink in your hand. You're sitting alone until a friendly stranger sits next to you and with a wink raises their glass to you. Over the course of the next hour, you chat, laugh, and drink in their story before parting ways with a smile on your face. This is a toast and a tale. Hello and welcome to A Toast and a Tale. I'm your host, Marissa Rothermel, and I'm so glad you're joining me today, tonight, whatever time you're listening. I am here with a lovely, lovely individual who I've been so excited to have on and just to hear her life story. I've met her for a hot minute at a, a networking event in downtown Charleston about two months ago. Played a little bit of can't quite make anything work. And tonight we're here, we're together, we're going to have a great time. And so I'm going to introduce you now to Lassand Brown. So welcome. Hi, how are you? I am good. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited. I'm so ready. I'm so pumped up. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this right. This is my very first time doing this. I'm like, I just hope that everything works out how it should. You are going to be, you're already perfect. And then we're going to make it even more perfect. We're going to have a great time together in the next hour. I'm totally sure of it. So first of all, did you bring a beverage this evening? I sure did. Right here. Oh, very nice, my dear. Very nice. We're going to ask you in a minute what you're drinking. Tonight, I brought myself a pineapple and rum. I'm feeling a little tropical today. Oh, that's quite delicious, I have to say. But let's find out who you are. Let's start right with round one. Who are you and what three words would you use to describe yourself? So my name is Lasan Brown, and the three words I think describe me most is calm, chameleon, and caring. I'm laughing a little bit right now because calm, I think two of those words might have been used by my last guest. How weird is that? Well, I need to meet them. That's what I need to do. Okay, so calm, chameleon. I want to hear more about that. What do you mean by chameleon? I don't see any, you know, lizard things going on with you. (laughs) So the chameleon part of it is how I blend into my surroundings and blend into whatever situation is coming my direction. My friend told me that. And we've been friends for maybe 15 years now. And that's what they always told me. They were like, you are such a chameleon. At first, I thought the lizard thing, too. I was like, why do you keep calling me a chameleon? Those little creatures aren't cute. And I don't like lizards. So why do you keep calling me that? They were like, no, I'm not calling you that because of a lizard. I'm calling you that because you can go anywhere in the world and you can blend in. People aren't going to like, they're not going to second guess wherever you're from. Like, you know which people normally do but they were like you you just blend you don't stand out in the crowd but you're not a wallflower either you know how to take whatever conversation and make it yours and just blend in with the crowd that you're around and like I didn't quite understand it until I had to go to like, you know, these different places, which we'll talk about later, like until I actually went to these different places. And yeah, I kind of do. You just blended. 
I did. I did just blend and <laughs> I didn't see it for myself because like, you know, but I, because it's me. So I don't think, I don't think I'm blending in. I think I'm just trying to get to know the people that's in that surrounding so I can understand why, what makes us connect and why we're all here. So I think that's why we hit it off really well. You know, you're, you're interested in who the person is and how you vibe with them. Uh, I definitely like that. I've never heard anyone refer to themselves as chameleon before, but I admire that. And I have to tell you that I do keep imagining the tiny chameleon from the movie, the Disney movie Tangled. Are you familiar with that? (laughs) I've seen it, but I haven't like, you know, sat and actually watched the whole thing through and through. Great character. So if you do have find some time, just go ahead and and take a few minutes and and know that you could be that chameleon and it's a super compliment. (laughs) I learned how to start taking it as a compliment only after I've started going out and, you know, exploring and traveling and doing different things. That's when I understood what they meant by it. And it wasn't more, it was more of a compliment than an insult once I truly understood what it meant now it's kind of your spirit animal yeah yeah i like that a little tattoo of a chameleon someday that's actually one of my things that i want to do because like they're the only person that calls me a chameleon but i understand why so i do actually want to get a tattoo of it but it ain't going to be small i'll tell you that much it's going to (laughs) be it's going to be from like my hip all the way down to my knee because I wanted to have, I wanted to have like the definition and like uh, the word chameleon put in there on the spine of the chameleon on my leg. Oh, that's going to be gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. Now I just have to find an artist who is willing to actually do it because it's the scales that's going to get them the most because there's so many scales on them. So you have to make sure that each and every scale kind of looks alike with a little bit of definition, like, you know, a little bit of differentiation in each of them. But ultimately, all of them have to look alike so they can, like, blend in perfectly. Of course. So are you thinking color or black and white? I think I'm going to do color with it. But the color is going to be so vivid with a bunch of different colors with it. Um, I have to be careful because I have tattoos already. I have about six of them. So I have to be like really careful with like whatever color I choose because um when it uh when it's time for that healing process it's it's nice and vivid when you first get it and then when the when it peels and it's healing it doesn't look the same. So I have to get colors that are going to like you know stand out and pop and kind of blend to an extent. Yeah million so it has to like have some type of blending it's got a blend on all fronts for sure well if anyone's listening out there and wants to send some uh, uh some some mock-ups to lasand then uh, she'll have her contact information listed with this podcast for sure that would be really cool if somehow through listening to this show you got the perfect design hand delivered to you that would be awesome i do know that we have some artists who listen so Wonderful. how cool that would be yes well, let's go to right to round two then, because I'm desperate to know, and you've got to be thirsty. What is it you're drinking tonight? So, I am drinking, which I've already had some already, is um, <laughs> the Serono. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Isn't it? Oh, my mm. God. Now, I will say this. 
I am not a big, big drinker of, you know, anything over 35 proof, especially now. I am more of a wine drinker, which is fine, which is fine. But for this particular occasion, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do wine because I do wine almost every other day. So (laughs) my girl, (laughs) that is going to be really good, really sweet and worth talking about. That's for sure. That's perfect. Now, are you drinking it straight up? I sure am. I love it neat. I do not like rocks in it. I don't like I don't like nothing taking away the taste from it. The very first time I had Serono, I was like maybe 27. And I was like, I love this drink. <laughs> it is really good. It's like it's not it's not thin like any other liqueurs would be, like like rum or vodka. It's the amaretto, so it's very, it's thick, number one, and it's very smooth going down, and the taste is like, that's dessert. It's dessert. It's alcoholic, delicious dessert. You know, back when I was in college, and I was too stressed out to sleep, I would mix Di Serono and milk, and I would have that as a drink. I swear to God, I would shake it up over a little bit of ice. With milk, I am telling you, it was delicious, and I would sleep like a baby afterward. And I'm telling you, that's how I got through, like, my bachelor's degree, for sure. Maybe part of my master's as well. But that was it. When I needed the brain to turn off, I was like, all right, little decerone, a little milk, we're good here. <laughs> and when I first got it, I used to drink it with ice. I used to have either ice and ginger ale with it. And then one day I didn't have any ice because I didn't let any freeze. And then I didn't have any ginger ale because we ran out. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to drink it straight. I'm going to see what it tastes like. And I was like, what am I doing? I should never have mixed this. Like, it needs to stay how it is because anything else is like really going to ruin its taste and its texture and everything about it that makes it so good. So I like it neat i don't like anything in it that's beautiful and it is it is really good stuff especially as that weather is starting to change a little bit here we're getting that cool air coming through that's a perfect fall drink 100 percent. yes it is mm-hmm. it really is and i like it when it's chilled in the summertime but i like it when it's room temperature in the winter it's a drink for all seasons It really is. (laughs) If you get it, just take your time with it. I'll never forget one time that my sister thought that she wanted to shot it. And I was like, you don't shot this at all. She was like, no. And I was like, (laughs) and when she tasted it, she was like, oh yeah, you can't shot this. I was like, absolutely not. I'm like, you can drink it straight or you can mix little things with it, but you don't want to shot it because it's too thick to shot. Yeah, that doesn't sound pleasant at all. No, I would not. I would not take a shot of amaretto. And kudos to those who do out there, but that's not for me. Put in a nice glass, maybe a little scotch glass, even really capture the uh, the aromas, the nose of that beautiful amaretto flavor, and mm, love it, love it. I respect your choice. I'm kind of thinking that I'm gonna pause this and grab some Di Serono in a hot minute. It might be a round, a round five situation. And then we'll be on the same page. So yeah, I think I think before we get into the deep questions tonight, there might be a little bit of a beverage change. I feel, I feel inspired today. All right. 
So, Lissandre, tell us, where are you living now? And I bet there's probably a long answer to where have you lived before. Actually, no, it's not. Believe it or not. I, I've i lived in McLennanville. Um, If anybody knows anything about South Carolina, uh, let's scale down. Let's go to Charleston. Let's scale down a little bit more and go to, like, the country part that no one really knows about. That's where I'm from. <laughs> so I have grown up in McLennanville my entire life. Um. And I have lived places like Mount Pleasant, North Charleston, and I currently live in Somerville, but um, I grew up in McLennanville my entire life. And I've never lived anywhere else, Um, though I will say this, if I ever had to move and live anyplace else or like live out the rest of my days somewhere, it would definitely be Antwerp, Belgium. That's like the, the place that I would love to live at. So you've been? No. Oh, <laughs> I was there. I would never come back. What? No. <laughs> so you're you're ready to uh, spend your 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 dying days in this place. You haven't been there. Why are you in love with it? What? I don't. I've never heard of this place. Antwerp, Belgium. Okay, so let's put it like this. Uh, have you ever heard that New York is the Diamond District of America? Yes, I have. So Antwerp is the diamond district of the world. That's where all the diamonds, all the gemstones, anything that you can possibly think of, even the ones that you possibly can't, that's where it goes to at the end of the day. Once it's mine, it goes there, it goes to the Kimberly process, and then it's distributed across the world. Okay, well, we've just unpacked a lot here. First of all, I also want to go there. All right, girls trip. Second of all, <laughs> I think that's a natural segue uh, to what do you do? I, I, you you know an awful lot about diamonds. Are are they just because they're your you know best friend as a girl, or uh, what's? Tell us about what you do, Lisand. So I I'm gonna teeter totter a little bit. So the first career that I have. I am a massage therapist and I've been a massage therapist for over 15 years now. When I tell my clients that they look at me and they'll say impossible. Like you look way too young to have been in a career for that long. I'm like, yeah, well, I kind of started doing it like kind of right after high school. I had like a little break from between high school and my twenties, but like that's ultimately my very first career. And I love it. The reason I love being a massage therapist is because I love helping people. That's number one. I I enjoy seeing my client when they come in and they're not one of those people who just saying, oh, I just want a massage for relaxation. Okay, fine. I can do relaxation, but I love it when my clients come in and they say, I have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. It's like, oh, awesome. You know why? Because now I get to actually work on you. I get to actually work. I get to actually help you figure out what's going on with your body because a lot of people confuse ischemic tissue with knots and it's like, it's not the same. (laughs) I've never even heard that first term. Yeah. That's a really fascinating perspective. I've only had a massage twice in my life. Twice. What? Yeah. Yeah. After we get off of this podcast here, you call me and you let me know because I can bring my table to your home. Even better. 
mobile like I, I I go to my my clients' homes to give them massages. That's awesome. <laughs> well, my second career, um, which this is why I'm here, is because I'm a personal jeweler. So what I do with my clients, which I absolutely love this career as well, is because I love to see my clients' creativity just flourish. And it just comes into play and they're like, well, I want this and I want that and I want X, Y, and Z. And it's like, okay, let's scale down just a little bit because we have to stay within your budget. But it still lets me see their creativity come into play. And me being the jeweler, it allows me to bring their, you know, imagination to reality. So what you can think of, we can make. At the end of the day, whether it be a ring, an anklet, a pendant, a necklace, earrings, bracelets, whatever you want to do, that's what we do. You know, I'm glad that you brought that up because, A, uh, I'd love to see some of your portfolio and share some of that with our link to the podcast today. uh, Some of the stuff you've designed. But also, you know, when I think personal jeweler, I, I didn't know this about myself until you were talking, but. I only thought about rings. I don't think I would have ever thought about designing earrings or an anklet or something like that. That's, I'm gaining new knowledge here. That's really cool. Now, how long have you been doing personal jewelering or where are you in the stage of all of this? Okay, so I've been a personal jeweler for literally this month makes it a year. Literally been a personal jeweler for one year. But I have been in the jewelry industry for about 18 years. I know jewelry just as well as I know massage therapy, if that makes sense. Wow. Now, are you your own business or how do people connect with you? Like, what does a, where does one find a personal jeweler? Is it a Google search and, you know, find a personal jeweler near me? How does, how does one connect with a personal jeweler? So a lot of my connections come from, um, primarily more networking meetings. That's where a lot of my connections come from. And as I continue to go to the, let me backtrack some. So like I said, I've been in the jewelry industry for about 18 years, but I've only been working in jewelry stores. So I never had to go and look for my clients or have my clients have to like, you know, you know, just work with them side by side. I didn't have to do that because everything was right there for them at their fingertips. Right. They're seeing it in front of them. It's in a jewelry case. It's, you know, it's in a magazine, a catalog. You know, you can look it up online. You can be done by the time you're walking in the store to try to find out what ring size you are. So, you know, that kind of thing. So not a whole lot of personal jeweling and and creativity necessary there. So how did you make this transition? So I ended up going, I, I attend a school called GIA which is the Gemological Institution of America, which is the top school in the world if you want to go to, if you want to be a gemologist, a diamondologist, um, you want to learn pearls, you want to learn research. It's literally at the top tier school. Um, There are other schools out there, but GIA is one of the best schools you can possibly go to if you want to do gemology, especially here in America. Um, but with being a personal jeweler, it's a lot more, it's a lot more footwork at the end of the day, 
because you have to actually go out there, promote yourself, let people know what it is that you're doing, get people to trust you with their jewelry. And here's the crazy part. Like I say, I've been a massage therapist for 15 years. I've been a personal jeweler for a year, but I've been doing jewelry for like 18 years. Would you believe that there are more people in the world that would that are more careful about their jewelry than they are about their own body? You know, I've never thought about that exact question. Yeah, no, they're they're more protective of their jewelry. Like, you know, they they will say, "Well, this is an heirloom from my grandmother and I don't want anything to happen to it X, Y, and Z." But, very material, very material. And we're not in that self-care world. You know, we're not in that, like, take care of ourselves, take care of our bodies. We're about, uh, now this is an overgeneralization. Nobody come after me, please. But, you know, it's that, you know, we're about stuff. There's a lot of stuff to be had. And it's it's very easy to get stuff right now from all over the world. But there's only one of us, you know, only one individual of you. And it's one of those things that I try to preach I'm not so great about practicing it, but I'm really good at preaching it is, you know, self-care. Take that time. Take care of you. Get the massage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had to scale back on myself, as a matter of fact. And I'm saying about massage therapy because I have been the type of I am the type of person I'm not been. I am the type of person that will um spend hundreds, hundreds of dollars on getting massages like I would get a massage like two three times a month good for you yeah people say that but actually that's not very good because you really actually only want to get a massage maximum two times a month but it's not the money it's what it does to your body so if you're getting a massage every single week as soon as you feel the first inkling of pain what are you going to say? Oh, Jesus, I need to go get a massage. I need an appointment. <laughs> exactly. But it's actually going to hurt you more than it helps you. So this is my this is my massage therapist person talking. You do not want to get three, four, five massages in a month. You don't want to do that. You want to get roughly about one to two, maximum three massages a month then the the third one is only like if you've been like in a car accident or like if you've been in something where your body needs that attention you don't want to go and get three four five massages in a month because it's actually going to make your muscles weak because you're constantly relaxed all the time when I went to my therapist she was like you must have no stresses in the world. I was like, oh, honey, I'm always stressed out. What are you talking about? She was like, it doesn't feel like it. I'm like, yeah, because I get massages like once a week, literally in a month. So, I mean, that sounds like living the life, but you're right. You're not taking care of your body at that point because you're not giving your body time to heal and learn, you know, how to be uncomfortable and how to be resilient through that. And interesting. I've never thought about too much massage, but it makes a lot of sense. It does. Too much of it is bad, but not enough of it is bad either. So you literally have to find that, you know, balance. You got to find balance. Well, especially with all that time, you know, I'm sitting hunched over a screen, over a keyboard, you know, that kind of (laughs) stuff. 
I'm here in your words. I'm here. All right. I know I preach self-care. I'll see you. Maybe I'll try it myself. So, so, all right. One more question while we're talking work here. All right. I want to hear more about college. What does gemology school look like? Hard. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that. It's not just like, that's a ruby, that's a sapphire, gold, silver. It's probably a little more involved than, than oh. what I'm hitting. <laughs> Absolutely. So you do have like you have a um so you have your essential classes in the beginning and then you have your identification classes next and then you have your lab classes at the very end. Once you take your lab classes, you're pretty much at the very end of your schooling. I am still in the identification portion of it. Um and I failed my first class, my my first gym identification class. And I was so disappointed. I was so sad. And when I was able to go and like, you know, sit and be with my, my colleagues who are like, you know, who's been through gemology school, I told them like, you know, I said, well, I failed my, my first gym identification part one class. They were like, oh, it's okay. Everybody fails it. I was like, oh, okay. They were like, just be prepared to take that class like two or three times. I'm like, are they trying to make us fail the class? Like, I'm I'm not sure about this because I'm like an A-B student in majority of the things that I do. And to fail, it makes me feel really bad. They were like, don't feel bad because everybody, almost, it's like 1%, maybe a maximum of 5% of people who actually passed that class the first go around. So it's very, very difficult because we have to study over 1,700 gemstones in order to, and here's the crazy part about it. We study all of these gemstones, but we're only tested on 20 of them. There are there are 1,700 different gemstones? Yes. Well, I'm including, so you have 1,500 colored gemstones, and then you have 250 diamonds that you have to study because when we study gemstones we're not just studying the colored gemstones we're also studying the diamonds as well so we have a combination of both of them that we have to study and you have to be able to identify what from what from this from that i am learning so much (laughs) (laughs) i I could basically name the birthstones and i pretty much thought that was the list and if you had asked me in the beginning of this well how many you know different gemstones do you think are out there i would have guessed high and when i guessed high i would have said oh like 200 and then you would have fallen out of your chair laughing because that's a huge number i had no idea yeah that's just the diamonds that you're covering at this point we're not even into the colored stones yet (laughs) Wow. Okay. Wow. I my mind is blown. I had no idea what a cool element of of schooling that is. And so you're identifying them and like looking at clarity and cut and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's so really not neat. only do we have to look at clarity and cut, we also have to look at refractimation. That's when you start determining like that's the scientific part of school. That's how I look at it, where you have to learn how to know um the refractimation and that goes by like different like uh you have to put oil into like the refractometer and learn how to see which one is more like the word isn't buoyant that I'm looking for I'm trying to find the right correct word for it um if it comes back to me I'll 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 spit it out but 
you have to learn the refractimation. You have to learn the um, gyroscope, meaning you have to learn which one are like, you know, if it's doing like a doublet or is it a singleton? Um, Cause some diamonds or not even just diamonds, some gemstones don't have like two plates to it. It's just, just, just one. Um, another one would be, you have to learn which ones are like, you know, uh, the paleochrism of it. Like, like you're learning like the different colors and how it changes throughout if it's heated or if it's cooled, because some stones, when you heat it, it changes the color of the gemstone. And sometimes it permanently changes the color of the gemstone, while others, if you heat it and let it cool down, it'll go back to the color that it should be. So long story short, that's what we have to learn. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's much more in depth than people think. It's not just oh, I'm going to show you this ring and... It's just a terrible time to point out my um, my my stretchy, stretchy wedding band that I'm wearing. Here. No, no. <laughs> Silicone bands are definitely coming into style because you get a lot of people who work with their hands a whole lot. So prime example, like this ring right here, I'm going to pop it off so you can see it. This ring right here, see how it has that tiny little opening? right there oh yeah 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 so that can be dangerous if you're working on certain things because something can slip i mean when i say on certain things i'm talking about even bringing in groceries from the car because the bag can slip through that opening and now the bag is sitting down here on your finger but certain rings like like if you're an electrician or some type of technician and you mess with like a lot of uh electricity let's just use electrician for like you know the simplicity of it all um yeah you can get electrocuted nobody wants that <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants that really bad and it's not like you're you can't be getting electrocuted and pulling your ring off at the same time so Silicone bands are actually really good, like especially also people who are mechanics because they have to fit their hands into like such tiny, you know, places into a car or an engine. And if you have a regular band on, you you run the risk of getting caught up in it when you're trying to pull your hand out of it. Mm -hmm. Meaning like, you know, if that car cranks up because they needed to crank for whatever reason and you can't get your hand out, you can get your hand chopped off. You can get a finger cut off. Well, if you have that silicone band, which is like, like I push to people who use their hands a lot, it can pop off. I don't care about ripping a silicone band because those bands are no more than like $15. If even that (laughs) tops, tops, you're talking a couple bucks most of the time. Exactly. But it saves your fingers and hands at the end of the day. So if you're someone who works with a whole lot of like, moving parts wherever you do get a silicone band I the only time I would say you wear your regular actual band is if you're going out to like a special event even when people like when I used to work in the jewelry store they'll say oh I want to buy this but I want to go and travel in the next couple of months and I'm like you want to buy a two thousand dollar ring and, and take it with you like to someplace and they'll be like don't do that I'm not going to tell you to not buy the $2,000 ring, but if you are, 
don't wear it to wherever you're going. Why? Because if you misplace this ring, it's going to cost you a lot more to replace it than if you go to Walmart and buy something that's super cheap and place your 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 actual expensive ring into like a safety de- uh, safety deposit box or put it someplace super secure. If you misplace that $2,500 ring, sometimes you get people who buy like $14,000 rings and they're talking about, oh, I want to go to Tahiti and I want to show my ring off. I'm like, don't do that. Because if you lose it, then you're going to be really sad. Because especially if you don't have the proper insurance on your rings, like, you know, you're going to just be out of $14,000 at the end of the day. And I don't want that to happen to my clients. But when I go out of town, I don't wear my actual jewelry. I buy a lot of fake jewelry because if I lose it, it's not going to, it's not going to affect me like that. Like all my real jewelry means something to me. Exactly. And I mean, I will say that um, I will forever remember the woman who worked with my husband and I, when we picked out our wedding bands, a, because she had a phenomenal name. We didn't go to a personal jeweler or anything that, but while we were at a jewelry store, the woman who helped us, her name was Cassandra Cash Dollar. And I thought that was a really unique and kind of perfect jeweler name. And she was lovely. She had like purple and blue hair, older woman, just wanted, asked all the right questions. And those two points that you just made are the same points that she had brought up. Uh, One of them was, don't travel with your ring. Don't do that. Oh, don't do that. You don't you you put a placeholder ring and you go out into the world because you might lose it. You might drop it in the ocean if you're out there on these beautiful places, okay? You might be targeted for a crime. You know, if you've got a big beautiful ring on your fingers. So, A, that point, thank you Cassandra, but B, your point to the silicone ring, silicone rings, silicone, silicone, I don't know. Whatever it is, plastic rings. Um <laughs> We had gone in thinking we knew what we wanted for my husband's ring, and I'm going to probably say the wrong one. Whatever it was, was the metal that couldn't be cut. Was it tungsten? There you go. Whatever that was. And she goes, well, what do you do? Are you at home on the computer all day or are you handy? And now this guy collects projects like oxygen, okay? He is always doing something. He is constantly playing with things he he maybe shouldn't, <laughs> but, you know, electricity or vehicles or house improvements, whatever. And she looked right at him dead in the eyes. She's like, do not get that ring. Do not get that ring. You get into any sort of accident, you're losing your whole finger. Mm-hmm. So we ended up with white gold for him. But uh, those are important points to consider that I never would have thought about. Never, never. And it's take, it takes talking to the right person to kind of know those safety aspects of, of purchasing jewelry. It's not just walking in the store and pointing and saying that one, so, as you well know. Because <laughs> we get a lot of people that do that. They'll say, oh, I want this one. I want this one. Or I want this one. Okay. So what do you really do for a living? Like, you know, unless you're some, and it's a lot of ladies who, which noun, which is so weird, a lot of, um, anniversary rings they're trying to buy it as engagement rings and if you've ever seen an anniversary band they're like this big and they have a ton of diamonds in them and they're getting them for engagement wow that's a lot of diamond how are you gonna if your if your engagement ring is that big 
how are you going to, how is your band going to compete with that? Because your band is supposed to bring out your engagement ring. But if you got a ring that already has like three carats of diamonds in there, like what do you, you must be going to buy a five carat diamond band. Like (laughs) they're just going to get a whole sleeve, a whole sleeve of diamonds, just right up to the elbow. Like, all right, it's been five years. Go put your gloves on. (laughs) that's what it feels like and it's like what are you doing no you don't want to buy something that big and I always I'm the type of person I I'm a realist when it comes to jewelry you want to start small and work your way up because actually you're supposed to upgrade every so often but you got people who try to upgrade every single year of their marriage that's not how it works so you're supposed to upgrade the first five years and then the first 10 years and then 20 and then the, 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 the first 15 years, and then the 25th year, and the 35th year, and then, you know, the 50th year, which I don't get why 40 doesn't get any play. None but, at all. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a different band for like your 40th. Now, your stones would change, but your band would stay the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I don't know any of this, I'm realizing, at all. (laughs) So, Kyle, when you listen to this later on, I hope you're taking notes. You don't have to do anything for our 40th year together. But up until then, man, I think you've got some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fun to see them come in. Like, I love when couples come in as a pair versus one or the other because it's then, like, then you can see both of them, their minds working together to make something perfect. And it's crazy, primarily more for her than it is for him at the end of the day. So it's, it's, it's lovely. It's so lovely. I had a couple, like, this is when I was working at Zales, I had a couple come in and she wanted to upgrade her stone. And she had like a, like a simple stone. When I say simple, I mean really simple. Maybe three carats. That's pretty simple in comparison to what she actually bought. You know? Oh boy. <laughs> exactly. So we're looking at 14, 14.5 is what sh- they spent that day on the upgrade. And that, was, that wasn't a set. That was just one ring that they were purchasing. Wow. That's a heck of an upgrade. I know, but I mean, it was because there, the stone that she initially had was, um, eye in color. It was like maybe, maybe a little under three carats in terms of like, you know, carat weight, but the color was going into like the, the, the yellowish. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she wanted something more clean and clear, meaning she wanted something higher on the clarity and higher in color so her clarity what she got was like a uh si1 which is pretty good okay what's an si mean small inclusions okay so imperfections yeah so you have flawless you have vvs which is very very small inclusion then you got vvs1 vvs2 and then you go down to vs which is very small inclusions and then you go to si which is small inclusions, and then you go to I, which is included. Um, if you, I'm not saying that included are bad. It's it's 
it's all about what the customer wants at the end of the day. Because some customers don't care about the included part of the stone because they see that it brings the stone character, which is fine. If you like it, hey, I love it, okay? So she wanted to upgrade to an SI1 from a I2. So that's a big upgrade. That's a big shift. That's huge, yeah. She went up like four different clarity grades. Wow, she was doing something right in that relationship. <laughs> I mean, she'd been in it for like 15, almost 20 years. So I guess. <laughs> or maybe he just did something really, really wrong. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, what did he do? Did you want to spend $14,000? Yeah, what's what's the backstory on that? That's That's the real question. At the end of the day, mm-mm, I don't ask no questions. You, I, I am not going to get that deep into it because that can turn a stale away because it can turn that upset right back on. Absolutely not. Oh, you want this $14,000? Not a problem. Not a problem. What we're going to do is we're going to make sure <laughs> that you are qualified to get this $14,000 piece. And I'm not, I'm not somebody who is all about the money for it because I've never been that person even when I started like when I was 17 in the jewelry industry I've never been somebody who was like oh I'm all about the money the money is gonna come but what you really want is the customers who are gonna come back at the end of the day yeah those five-year ten-year yeah you want though you want them to be growing and coming back to you throughout the years exactly and then you're gonna get to the 35 not 40 50 year anniversaries and that's when it's gonna it's gonna pay off man wouldn't you be mad if it just ended at 49 never got that 50 year one like man (laughs) did all the 40s never got an upgrade now here i am on 50 and it didn't work out (laughs) so with 50 you actually change not just the stone but you actually change the metal that's when it kind of changes the platinum unless you're starting off with platinum at the end, at the beginning of the you know whole thing wow i did not know that that is not an inexpensive anniversary <laughs> switching nope. up to platinum not at all nope. but it's the most durable because it's going to last longer i mean all jewelry are going to last long but platinum platinum is like the top tier like it's never really going to fade and if it does fade it turns into this color called patenia which is just like a faded gray of the platinum. But all you have to do is like send it to get rhodium plated and it, it buffs it right out and it gives it that shine all over again. What do you think the most, well, in your experience, what's the most popular what, um, material being used for wedding bands right now? White gold. White gold. Yes. That's White so funny. Gold. And it's been like that for probably the last, uh, probably about as long as I've been in the industry. Because at one point, rose gold was the big thing, but that was like when I was in middle school. So I wasn't into jewelry at that point. So it's definitely, definitely white gold because it kind of plays on platinum, but it's not the same price as platinum because platinum is very expensive, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's very expensive. But um. If I get a white gold, most people who look at your jewelry, they're not going to say, oh, that's, that's, you know, it looks good. They're not going to think twice about whether it's platinum or white gold. 
but white gold is a lot more, you know, uh, affordable than platinum is because it takes a lot of platinum to make a ring, period. That was going to be my question is this, why does it, why is it so expensive? Is it a rarity thing? It's a quantity thing. It sounds like it just takes a lot to actually make. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to make it because it's, it's such a dense metal. So it, it takes a lot more of it to make something that's even small. Like if it's a mound of gold, I can make multiple pieces out of that gold. But if it's a mound of platinum, once you condense it and make it like, you know, take all the air out of it and make it into something small, it takes a lot. And to make it thick, make it shiny, make it durable for you to wear every single day, because most people who wear platinum, they're not going to wear it just on occasion. They're going to wear it every single day because a lot of those, those metals are hypoallergenic, meaning like they're not going to like, you know, ruin your skin and they're not going to cause damage to it too much. Well, I've learned so much already and we are only on right now approaching question five. So <laughs> round five, uh, this is a little more personal, a little bit more all about you. All right. So. Share a high point in your life or something that you are personally proud of. Absolutely. Yes. And you know what? This is one of the questions that I was stuck on for probably about a week. <laughs> Figure it out. I was like, what is something that's really good in my life? Okay. So going back to jewelry, of course, um, when I started gemology school, it was back in 2017. Between 2017 and now, I have done more in jewelry than I have done in my almost my entirety of massage therapy. So that's definitely a high point in my life. For you. The highest point where I would say is when I went to, and I'm so excited, I went to the GIA symposium. It was in California. It was in Carlsbad, California. That's where the that's where GIA is um that's where their home school is at. So they have a satellite school also in New York. I'm not very interested in going to New York. Sorry for all the New Yorkers. I just can't take the noise and the traffic. I'm so sorry. I like California better. When I was there, it was awesome, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Totally different vibes. 100%. Totally different vibes. It is. And on top of that, New York doesn't have... Their campus is... It's New York. So they their campus is just a building. While Carlsbad, they have an actual campus where you can sit outside and like enjoy the beauty of California, you know? And that's the home school. Why wouldn't I? But I went there for the GIA symposium and I met I met a lot of really I, I mean top tier people. First person I met was Susan Jocks. Susan Jocks is the president of the GIA schools around the world. Oh, wow. She was awesome. She she also, because I ended up getting a scholarship, she also, uh, like when you get a scholarship, they'll say you get this much. Well, she took her time out and she added extra to the scholarship, which made me really, really happy. So I really wanted to shake her hand and talk to her. And I actually have a picture with her. Um, I actually have a picture with two of them. Um, so the first person, 
is Miss Susan Jocks, who is the president of GIA, and she is currently still the president of GIA. Um, I met Miss Jenna DeRose, and she is the CEO of Signet. If, if anybody knows anything about Signet, that's the people who are over Zales and uh, K Jewelers and Marks and Morgans and Shaw's and those stores. She's the CEO of all of those stores now. Because when I first started working with um, with jewelry, I started working at Case, but it wasn't a Signet store. It was um, Sterling. If I'm not mistaken, that's who they were initially with, which was Sterling. Okay. Long story short, it didn't work out. So she ended up being like, you know, taking over and becoming the CEO of all of them. And how's about this? She was the only female CEO diamond, um, diamond, you know, person on the panel, period. Oh, that's so awesome. Was all male. And she was the only female on the entire panel because there, there, there was a male there when it was Sterling. But after they, after they had to like, you know, do all this other stuff, she ended up becoming the CEO and she was the only female on the panel. Is the diamond industry very uh, male heavy? Yes, it is. Is it? Top tier. Yes, it's um actually very male dominated, very, very, which is so crazy to me because it's more females that want diamonds than men do. <laughs> exactly, that's why I'm surprised. I I met them. Um, I also met Jason Goldberg. He is the CEO of Blue Nile, so that was really nice to meet him. Um, and I'm sure a lot of these, they don't remember me, but I remember them at the end of the day because they see a lot of people in the run of the day. Um, another guy that I met was, um, Bruce Cleaver and he is the CEO of the bears, which is one of the largest diamond companies in the world. I don't care where you go. You're going to, if you hear the bears, you know exactly who they are. You know, they're, they're like the top tier diamond industry in the world. Um, and that was back in 2018. And then fast forward to 2021, I ended up meeting the, um, president of AGS, which is the American Gem Society. And his name is Mr. Richard Michaels. So long story short, I have met a lot of people who were, who's been in this industry for a very long time and understand it. And I, it feels so good to be around people who understand what I'm talking about, because where I'm from, if I tried to talk to people about this, they would be so confused. They would have no clue what I'm talking about. So it's like, it's, it's so nice to talk to people. Not a lot of gemologists in McLennanville. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's not a lot of gemologists in South Carolina period like you know um because even when we have our gemological uh meetings like we don't have any more than like maybe 10 people that's not a big network so that's pretty amazing that you got out and you met kind of these heavy hitters and and were able to get out to uh 
the the symposiums and the summit out there. That's really awesome. And did you do that as part of school or is that something that you just found your way to because you knew it was going on? How did you get there? So the symposium, I did it for school because when I went there, um, they were having a Harvard business class and I took that class. So I ended up getting my Harvard business license and then since for, um, what is it called? Global networking or something along that line. So I was able to meet a lot of people with that because they had two classes there. They had one for what I did for Harvard. And then the other one was for research. Well, the Harvard class, they had a max out of 200 people. Well, I was one of those 200 people that were allowed to take it because I ended up paying that extra extra money to go to get it <laughs> to get it done. While the research, a lot of the people that like, you know, I ended up talking to that weren't in our Harvard business class. I was like, how was the research class going? They're like, we don't know because we don't understand it. I'm like, what? <laughs> But then again, it was like 700 people in the research class, but there was only 200 people in our, in our Harvard business class. So I kind of went there because I wanted to have something. And I even told my mom, I said, mom, if I'm going to California and I've never been on a plane and I'm afraid of heights, when I come back, I better have something to <laughs> because I'm not going to go over there just to say, oh, I've been over in California. I need to bring something back with me. And that's why I did that for. As for the AGS, it was just something that I wanted to attend. GIA and AGS are kind of like two and one in the same. GIA is the more educational aspect of it, while AGS is more of the networking aspect of it. So you get to meet a lot of people who are already in the industry and you get to network with them. While GIA is more like people who are still like me, who are still learning about what it is that we want to do in this industry. When I went to Texas, I didn't, I didn't bring anything back other than like friendships. I mean, that I guess that's just as important as anything else, right? Sure. And I mean, at that point, you'd already been on a plane, right? <laughs> so it wasn't as important. <laughs> <laughs> and I stayed both places for about a week and I got to like, you know, get to learn the area and I get to meet the people and take pictures with them and get to know them. You know, it wasn't, I'm not the type of person who I'll meet you one day and be like, Oh, that's it. That's all I know about you is that one time that I met you. If we exchange numbers chances are I'm going to text you periodically asking you, hey, how are you doing? When's your birthday? Because I want to tell you happy birthday because like you're, I'm now bringing you in as a friend. I want to know more about you and more about what you do, especially because we met in a, in a, in a, in a circumstance where we are in the same field. You know, it's not like we're in two completely different fields. No, we're in the same field at this point. And I want to get to know you a little bit more and know more about what you do in this industry. That was in Dallas. That was really nice. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I hear wonderful, wonderful things. It's on my list for sure. So it sounds like your excursions were all super beneficial to you. You've met a lot of people able to bring them kind of into your into your network. How about sharing a challenge you've overcome? 
one of my challenges that I overcome has nothing to do with jewelry. As a matter of fact, it has everything to do with massage therapy. So when I first graduated from massage therapy, I never worked for anybody. The first person I worked for was myself. Good for you. And I, because I didn't have anybody there to help me. So Jesus Christ, there was a lot of ups and downs (laughs) in that one. (laughs) I'm sure so, you learned a lot. That I was doing right from wrong and I didn't know how to do my taxes. I didn't know how to do anything. So it was really hard for me. So I had a lot, a lot, a lot of trial and error. In 2017, I came to the realization like, you know what, Lacey, just take a step back. It's not a problem, but you need to figure out what's going on because in order to make your business successful, you have to see what's making other businesses successful in the same exact industry. So I closed my business down. I actually started working for other people. And that's the first time in years that I work for other people. So it was so weird, like having to get up and have to go to us like a scheduled time. It was the weirdest thing. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a big change that's a big that's change a- being on someone else's time for sure how long did you do that for I, I'm kind of still doing it so I started in 2017 literally right after I closed my business that's when I was introduced to Zeal well Zeal is a mobile massage therapy company which is exactly what I was doing so it it I, I kind of never left that realm of going to my client's home because that's exactly what I did with my company. I went to my client's home because I wanted to make it convenient for them. Well, Zeal does it on such a, lo- a much larger scale that it makes it easier for me. Like I don't have to go out and look for them. They send me the clients themselves. So I didn't have to go and look for them. And then I worked for another company called Elements, and um, which may be more stationary, which I get to actually work in an actual facility. I've never done that before. Um, so still super weird because um, I had to be there at a certain time every day. Um, and then I stopped working there. And then I started working at a place called Kiowa. And if anybody is familiar with Kiowa Island, it's literally a five-star resort. It's a five-star everything. When you walk onto the property, you know that this place is five-star. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like you can smell five star as soon as you walk into it. What do five stars smell like? I don't know why immediately it's like, oh yeah, like cheeseburgers. What? (laughs) (laughs) It smells good. It smells really good because like I enjoy working there because that's the like where I, especially where I work at in the spa, which is the sanctuary, like there, they are the epitome of a team. When I worked anyplace else in between, before I started working at Kiowa, there was never like any real teamwork. It's like, I'm going to do my job and then I'm going to go home. Bye. You know, but at Kiowa, it's literally everybody works together. They're like, okay, we have some towels over here. I'm about to go into my session. Could you do some towels? And it's like, sure, fine. And we have another person. Um, I don't want to say her name, but she is when I when I say she's one of the loveliest people that I've ever worked with. Like she will take the time out 
And if we have like, um, cause we have like these, it's not a modality, but it's like a, a service. Um, it's called the sanctuary signature. So we have to get like all these like major, like these, these wraps, like all warmed up. She will take time out to warm up everybody's wraps, put it into like our like little cooler. And we don't have to think about warming them up other than when she's not there. Those are the not the good days. You want her there all the time. (laughs) She's so magnificent. Like doesn't like they've literally been five stars for 15 years now, almost. They've been five stars for a long time. So I'm getting a lot of like understanding and feedback and training and being like literal Forbes five star. Because That's amazing. Your speech even changes when you have to learn because they have a whole different vocabulary at the end of the day. It's oh. not the same as any other place that you would work. Like the when I got hired, I got hired in August, but I didn't start working until October because that's how intense the training is that you would have to learn the verbiage. You have to learn how to talk to your clients. You have to know how to pick them up. You have to know how to drop them off. You have to know how to like talk to them during the, like it's so intense that you don't have a choice but to learn it in order to work there. It's not not as simple as, oh, you're hired. Okay, you come in on Monday. No, no. Wow. You have to go through like all these like, you know, variations of modules and having to learn so much. Well, that's how you get the five stars, right? That's how you get to hold that position for 15 plus. Well, now I got to go. Now I got to go take a ride down there and and figure out that whole area. I've watched Kiowa Beach a couple times now, but that's about the extent of it. So uh, on the list. (laughs) (laughs) it's really nice it's so pristine and it's really nice i tell i'm like i i promote that place so much i'm like yeah it may be expensive but you don't necessarily have to go to the expensive places just go there and like like get a day pass and just go and you know see what it's like that like you know where 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 like you know the people who don't want to be bothered at the end of the day hang out at because if I go to like IOP, chances are you're going to find me on the Isle of Palms. But if yeah, I go to Kiowa. Not very big. <laughs> exactly. If I go to Kiowa, you're going to have to get through security in order to even get to where I'm at. Yeah, Kiowa is awesome. And for those listeners who aren't familiar with that uh, that beach, that ocean piece right there, uh, Kiowa is very famous for the strand feeding dolphins. Um, and what that means is that there is a trait, a characteristic, a, uh, a taught learned behavior that has been passed down through generations of dolphins, uh, where they will beach themselves and their fish for their catch. So they basically gang up, they circle the fish, like the, the selection of fish they're going to get as a crew and run them up on the beach. And it's this wild and an incredible way of, of I don't know, bullying the fish, their dinners, you know. Uh, but it's it's a thing that happens down on Kiowa. And you can see it pretty regularly. And there's pictures and videos and all of that. So if you're down there, make sure you see the strand feeding wild dolphins. Because that's not something you're going to see anywhere else in the world. Which is really, really cool. 
Yes. And that happens twice a day. So it happens in the morning and then it happens in the evening just before the sun sets. Believe it or not, the first time I ever saw strand feeding was not at Kiowa. Where was it? Uh, we were on the intercoastal waterways of like between Onda and McClellanville. Me and my cousin ended up going out with like DNR and we just rode their boats and um, they they cut the boat off and we were just watching them like, you know, shove the fish up onto the side. And I was like, that's exactly what they do at Kiowa. <laughs> So let's see. We got a couple more questions for you tonight. How about something unexpected about you or that few people know about you? So this was another one of those questions that I had to think about because I'm pretty much an open book. But most people don't know I do aerialism. What does that mean? So have you ever seen Circus Soleil? Yes. You see the people swinging on like the fabrics? Yes. You do that? Yes. I thought you were afraid of heights. Uh, (laughs) okay. Here's the tricky (laughs) part about that, right? You don't know that you're that high until you're watching yourself on a camera. So the key is never watch the camera. (laughs) I think the highest I've ever been was probably right at about 10, maybe 11 feet, like in the air. But you don't know that you're that high because you're wrapping yourself. Because I do hammocks. So there's like four apparatuses that you can do. You can do silks. You can do hammocks. You can do trapeze. And you can do lira. I do hammocks. <laughs> it is the most comfortable for me. I I can sit down. Like when I when I get tired, I don't have to like, worry about making my foundation. And when I say making my foundation, people who do aerialism would understand. Like when you have to make your foundation, it's a way for you to like actually, because there's points in your, when you're up in the air where you have to rest in the air because you're, you're, you're using everything in order to like, you know, pull yourself up, drop yourself down, put your leg up, whatever. Well, you have to have resting points. Well, when you're on silks, you have to make your own resting point. I have a lot of faith in those silks. Because, well, silks are the one that goes straight down. There's two fabrics and they kind of look like curtains and they go straight down to the ground. There's no stopping it, period. So if you don't know how to make your resting point, guess where you're going to be? I know where I'd be the whole time, and that's down on the ground. That's that's where I would start. That's where I would be in the middle. That's where I would be on the end. And I'm not afraid of it. I just know me and my whole lack of coordination. Okay, I'd be like, you know what? Use those things as curtains, because they're not going to do what you think they're going to do for me. <laughs> Best I can do is maybe accidentally tie myself in a knot. And that's perfectly fine because your instructor would help you get out of it. I've done that before, may I add. That sounds like a great way to exercise. It is. It's kind of like, uh, people, have you ever heard of calisthenics? I have. Yes. Okay. Okay. So it's like that. But it's, it's calisthenics, but prettier at the end of the day. It's really sexy when you learn how to do it the right way. 
<laughs> what a cool challenge though, you know, to have, to have other people, you know, that you can kind of mimic and figure out how to do. And that's really neat. That's not a form of exercise I had ever considered. I always looked at it as kind of an art form and not as a, Hey, you could try that. That could be cool. When I say you lose weight so fast, doing aerialism, like the weight will melt off you so quickly. So for people who are trying to lose that weight really fast, do aerialism because it's not just you working your arms or working your legs or working your shoulders or working your back. You're literally working everything. So you do aerialism. You uh, are an aspiring gemologist but you are a personal jeweler you uh are a massage therapist you're networking constantly uh with all of that what is something you wish you had more time for my family my family most definitely so (laughs) i was thinking about this question i was like what would i want to have more time for definitely my family because i don't have any children Like I'm not married and I don't have any kids, but my brother and my sister both have, you know, children, period. Um, And of course, my mom and my dad, they got us. So (laughs) can't quite count them out, right? Yeah, I should probably count them. (laughs) So with my mom and my dad, my mom, she wants to go to, I want to take them to all the places that they would uh, always want to go to like their dream places that they want to go. And that's always been a thing that I always wanted to do, like call them up and say, hey, just get on the plane. Don't worry about packing any clothes. We'll get clothes when we get there. I just want you to have fun, period. My mom, she wants to go and see the Vatican. That My mom is not Catholic. We're not Catholic. But that's where she wants to go. I hear it's beautiful. So my, my mom wants to go to the Vatican. My dad wants to go to Spain. I'm like, is there any place in particular? He's like, no, I just want to go to Spain. I was like, okay. Hey, that gives you some flexibility. I mean, there's only... So he wants to he wants to go to Spain. My brother wants to go to Australia. He is, excuse my language, he is hell-bent on going to Australia. Why? Who knows? He is just fascinated with Australia with the kangaroos and the the dingeridoos and the the what's it called the the thing that you throw and it comes back a boomerang he's fascinated with all of that stuff my sister Jesus Christ she wants to go (laughs) she want to go to two places not just one she wants to go to Dubai that's her top tier place that she really wants to go Secondly, she wants to go to the Maldives. I was like, <laughs> she's going last. <laughs> <laughs> I want to take her to these places, but it's like, you got to choose one or the other. Like, we can't go to both. Like, I'm going to be broke. <laughs> right. That's that's asking for platinum when you're just getting engaged. Okay. Exactly. No, we don't start like, go there. With the white gold, okay. Just stick with the white gold for now. It looks close enough. <laughs> oh man, that's that's a that's a tall list there. Your sister might be waiting a little while. I mean, I I kind of feel like your mom might be might be the first there. The Vatican they've got they've got trips for that. <laughs> Those yeah, are pre planned. Definitely take my mom first. Being I mean, she's my mom. 
I wanted to take her to the French Polynesian Islands, which is like, you know, Bora Bora and all that stuff. And we were supposed to go there and I had like everything set up for us to go. But COVID came along and like ruined all of that. So thanks, COVID. I was going to take my mom out to the French Polynesian Islands, but you did your job in ruining that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel that. Well, hopefully that's out of the way now and you can get going on some of these trips for sure. Goodness. Fingers crossed for you. I mean, right now I can kill two birds with one stone because I just recently found out that my dad wanted to go to like Spain. So it's like, ooh, I can get both y'all. There you and, go. Combined yeah. trip right there. That's awesome. That'd be such a fun trip though. That would be that would be really cool. Amazing memories would be made for sure. Absolutely. All right, we've got just a few things left. How about round nine? If you had a theme song, what would it be and why? Um, so I just learned about this song and it's because I was going through a whole lot and my friend, her name is Ann Armstead. Um, she introduced me to this song and the song is called A-OK by Ty Verdes and it's such a lovely song because it speaks so much to where I'm like what I've gone through like you know all the trials and tribulations that I've gone through like I literally take those lemons and made it into lemonade like I I don't want it to hold me down and like be stuck in that oh I can't do this oh I can't do that x y and z I just take it with a grain of salt and just make it into lemonade or <laughs> lemon meringue pie. Good for you. A-OK because in the song, it's letting you know that even though you're going through all this hardship, at the end of the day, it's going to be OK. And it's talking about like, you know, my friends having kids because all my friends have children, but I don't like and I love kids. But I'm and 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 at the end of the, like in a sense I'm kind of happy that I don't have them because I do get to do what I what I want to do, <laughs> but I still want them because I do want to like you know have my like you know my lineage go on and you know things of that nature. Somebody that's a part of me, but that would be my song. A okay, I love that song. I'm downloading it as soon as we hang up for sure. For sure. <laughs> that sounds like a song I think everybody needs a little bit of in their life. And as far as kids go, yeah, they're wonderful. But you're having the opportunity to do you right now. And kids will happen for you if you want it. Absolutely. It, it kind of reminds me of... um. Well, then round 10, this is where the question flips to me. It's your shot to put me on the spot. What do you want to ask me for the Ask Me Anything round? Um... I can't remember if I asked you this question at the networking meeting or not, but I'm going to ask you now for like, you know, clarification. Perfect. So if there was anything else you can do in the world, what would it, what would you do? Oh, you know, this changes a lot. Honestly, I think my answer changes a lot. And I, I don't know if that's because I'm happy with what I'm doing or if I just haven't found the perfect answer. But it would be some, you know, I actually don't, no, I'm just kidding. I did find the perfect answer. I was inspired about 18 months ago. I have the perfect answer. I would be a wiggle. Are you familiar with the wiggles, the Australian 
the Australian kids song and dance group. Enlighten me, please. I don't know. Oh, yes. Uh, so the Wiggles are a, a song and dance group based out of Australia. And they are just like this bright color, rhyming song dance. Most people over the age of three can't stand it. But I don't know if it's just because I've been in special education so long and I've had to kind of make up my own songs and rhymes and dances and stuff for for uh, uh, teaching. But I would love to be a wiggle because, you know, you can inspire so many young minds and have fun and do bright colors and singing and dancing all day. And they go on tours. You know, they're basically rock stars. I think they were on the cover of Rolling Stone last year, in fact. Uh, so I think that's what I would do if I could do anything else. And I don't know how I'd feel about traveling for forever, but I would definitely do a year or two as being a wiggle. That would be so much fun. <laughs> well, I need, I, I would have to first figure out what a wiggle is. That's your homework. That's your homework. When we hang up tonight, you go Google the wiggles and then you call me up and be saying, I don't know why you want to do that. Don't do that. I poured myself more amaretto just to watch, you know, five minutes. I'm like, why would you want to do that, Marissa? Like, <laughs> like you have to find another one. <laughs> Remember that time you said what you do on the podcast? You were wrong. You don't want to do that. You don't. No one wants to see that. <laughs> Just give me a mic. Let me belt out a few tunes. I've got a very famous one called Fruit Salad. You know, I'll sing that. It's all about fruit salad. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, so where can people find you on socials? Because I'm sure that they've all fallen in love with your, your energy and your enthusiasm and your positivity and want to hear more from you. So where, where can they find you after our show airs? Absolutely. So they can go on, uh, Facebook. They can find me on Facebook at Lasan Brown. It's going to be L-A-S-A-N-D-B-R-O-W-N. Um, that's my Facebook tag and it's also my Instagram as well. But, um, if you want to email me, you can email me at lbrown at DTR designs with an S dot com. If you're looking to have something made, even something repaired, or if you want something just, if you don't want it made or repaired, but you want to change the setting in it all. We can do that as well. So you can find me at lbrown at dtrdesigns.com. And you can go on our website also at www.dtrdesigns.com as well. And you can see what we have. And even though you're looking at that, you know, what you're seeing on our website, we can also alter it to make it into your own piece as well. So don't get caught up on what's just on the website. We can still make it into what you would like to make it into. That's not a problem at all. That's perfect. And our very last portion is what we call happy hour. And that is your self-promotion or passion time. Speak to something you want to spread the word about. Well, I definitely want to spread the word about me being a personal jeweler. I love doing it. And for those who are very interested in creating something that no one else has, that's what we're here for. If you want to capture it in jewelry, that's what I'm here for. I love to see my clients' creativity just go wild. 
I really do. There's not even a different word I can even use for that. I love to see my clients' creativity just go wild because working in a jewelry store, you can't quite see that. You don't get to see your client's creativity. All you see is what is something similar to what they want. But with us, I sit side by side with you and I help you build that piece, you know, piece by piece by piece by piece from every fixin to every prong or every, you know, gemstone that there is. So that is definitely something that I would love to spread the word about because I would love people to use personal jewelers more often because with us, when you create that piece, there's nobody else in the world that has that piece but you. When you go into a jewelry store and you find something that is nice and you buy it, guess what? Literally, as soon as you walk out that jewelry store, that piece is being replaced. So you're not going to be the only person with that piece. But with us, when we create that piece for you, nobody else in the world has that piece other than you do, which makes it that much more special, that much more sentimental. And that's what I want to push and understand, like, you know, get out to my clients that when you work with us, whatever you do with us, it's going to, it, you're special to us. Your piece is special to us. So everything about you is unique at the end of the day. We're not going to ever sell your piece. We're never going to, you know, like promote it to anybody else when it's time for you to want that piece back for yourself, like the mold of it all, it's yours. You created Oh, wow. That's really cool. I didn't realize that that wasn't something that you then kind of kept and could recreate. It really is just the person who designed it. Mm-hmm. And there, that's beautiful. That's really neat. I've learned so much from you tonight and I really, really appreciate it. And I, I saved my last sip, which was really hard because it was a very delicious drink. So- I raise my glass to you with this toast. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. You are truly a beautiful individual just through and through. I feel so much joy when I talk to you. And it's only been a few times, you know, and some of it's by text message. But your just enthusiasm and zest for life, your positive energy is just It's breathtaking. It really is. So thank you for sharing that with our listeners today. I really hope that someone reaches out to you and designs a perfect tattoo. That's my, that's my want from this show that your chameleon tattoo comes out of this, but also so that people reach out to you about uh, what you do for massage therapy. If they're local or if you're not local, check out her work uh, in, in personal jewelry design. So cheers to you, Lassonde. Thank you so much for sharing all of your talent, skill, and beauty cheers to you thank you thank you thank you for tuning in to a toast and a tale we are so glad you could join us for a drink tune in next week to hear the tale of another amazing guest interested in being on the show find at a toast and a tale on facebook instagram twitter and on our website www.atoastandatale.com where you can also find past guest information our merch shop and more Please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share on your favorite listening and social media platforms, and we'll be back next Friday. 
Until then, may your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Cheers to you.